This week's Culture Trumpet podcast is brought to you by Grayson and Sons Helium Products. Unfortunately, all current orders unfortunately need to be cancelled as we've had a leak in the factory, as you can probably tell. So we thought we'd come on the Culture Trumpet podcast with Mark and Dan to let all the listeners know we are sorry for the muck-up. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. I hear the boys are going to be talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife today. What a great film. Really enjoyed it. It might be a quiz too if you're lucky. So again, this episode of the Culture Trumpet Podcast is brought to you by Grayson and Sons Helium Products. Right, let's try and turn that valve off again, guys. Right, well, we're back for our second episode of 2022, back to a more or less usual format. So I guess the first thing to do is really a bit of a catch-up, what's been happening lately, and then looking forward to what's coming up over the next few months to, to a year, I guess. Yeah, it's lots, lots sort of to, to come out. And lots that's been happening sort of in the background while we took um it took a small break but also uh you know changed changed the format and did some more deeper dives mm-hmm. so I guess the biggest news cinema wise over the last few weeks has been spider man no way home Spider-Man. so the, obviously there's been a few films released over the last few months no time to die june um uh, and a few others that have had I guess you could say, given the circumstances, quite impressive box office results. But I think Spider-Man was always that one that was either it's going to be okay or it's going to do absolutely fantastically. And it's clearly done absolutely fantastically. I don't think anybody really foresaw it doing as well as it actually has. You know, the statistic no. that I read today was it's the eighth highest grossing film of all time adjusted for inflation. I don't know. But that's what they always say in those articles, don't they? Mm. Um, is that in the States or worldwide? I think it was worldwide. Okay. And, you know, you think of the films that it, it hasn't quite beaten yet. That's mm. Endgame, Titanic, Avatar, and there's mm-hmm. a few more, obviously. But mm. I didn't think it was going to be as big as it actually was. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I had no doubt it was going to be a big hit. And clearly it was gearing up for a big opening weekend, right? Obviously no surprise there, but given the kind of anticipation and and the the you know, the, the, the rumours and, and so on around around certain appearances that were going to be in the film. But what's impressive is how it's just kinda of kept going, basically. And it still is. Like, you know, how yeah. long has it been out for now? Was it middle of December, wasn't it? So three three weeks. Let's was it say. really? Yeah, of course it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So three four weeks maybe. Um, mm. Still haven't had any home media release, of course. Um, no, not yet. But yeah, it's it's still going, and mm-hmm. I'm very much planning on seeing it a second time. I saw it on release day, I think. I can't remember anymore. Mm. And it was quite possibly one of the best cinema experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Hands yeah, down. The, the the crowd were definitely there for it, weren't they? Yeah, and again, not to give anything away in case you haven't seen it, but we will do a dive on mm. 
Spider-Man No Way Home in a future episode, oh, yeah. just because yeah. there's so much to talk about, and I really want to nerd out about it again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I think as well as being number eight worldwide, um, I think it's at number six for just for North America. That's pretty cool. So, uh, and again, as you say, there's there's only there's a there's there's a couple of Marvel films in front of it. A Star Wars Avatar is obviously still hanging around there. It, it's done incredibly well, and I think even though now the kind of secrets out, so to speak, it's still hanging in. I think it's still at number one, and, and people are still going. And and I think yeah, I, I, I think all things considered, it, it's been incredible that it, it's kept going as well as it has. And like. Even though there may or may not be some things in it that make it awesome, it's mm. it's an outright good film in the first instance. Oh yeah, there are yeah. parts that make it as good as it is, obviously. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you did take those away, I still think it would be a really good um, third part of Tom Holland's trilogy. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. And yeah. there was something I was talking to friends about this week. Going, I imagine Sony are now sat there giggling to themselves that they actually made let it happen because there was this mm-hmm. big. Marvel and Sony fallout, as you after remember, the last remember. film, yeah, after the yeah. last film, you know, yeah. there was the big, the Spider-Man trilogy is is uh, fallen mm-hmm. on its sword mm-hmm. again, like yeah. like um, the Amazing Spider-Man trilogy did, yeah, and it is worth every penny if you go see it, and it's just one of those Marvel films that I think are going to be it's in the history books for a number of different reasons, obviously, yeah. But I think it's up there with being one of the best Marvel films ever produced. Yeah. I, I think when it comes to Sony, I think they kind of learnt their lesson with the amazing Spider-Man films in, in terms of... I think when Marvel came to them with the suggestion of joining forces and look, you know, we, we let us produce the Spider-Man films for you. You can borrow characters from the other MCU films and when we want Spider-Man to appear in one of our films we can borrow him. We'll produce it we'll do the creative direction and all that and we'll, I think the, I think on the original deal there was no money was part of the deal. Now, now see I thought there was, I thought Sony took box office yet Disney took merchandising which is still a hilarious deal when you think about That's, these first two. Yeah well, that was in place anyway because right. Marvel already had the had the rights back to Spider-Man merchandising. Okie dokie, so right. So they would have got merchandising anyway. But I think the original deal was there was no financials. But I think on the second deal, which came after the first one fell apart, they split the costs 50-50 and the profits 50-50. Well, going I, I'd love to know what this one's doing for each studio oh, because, God, yeah. you know. But I, I think... Going back to what I was saying, I think Sony realised that really they were the ones who were going to really, as much as Marvel obviously benefit from getting Spider-Man back as part of their screen <laughs> yeah. screen thing. Sony got such flack that it was definitely a case of they needed Marvel more than Marvel needed them. Okay. That's my feeling anyway. But I think what this film has proven, what has it proven? I think that Marvel kind of the well, they've already proven it anyway, but they know what works. They know what works in terms of the story. They know how to put a good story together. And they found a very clever way to tie this in to this larger Phase 4 multiverse thing. Yeah. 
obviously that you know and bringing back elements from the previous sony films to say we're not saying those films didn't happen we're not ignoring what happened in those films just saying you know they are an alternate version an alternate universe so that allows them to kind of pick and choose almost it it really does from the other films open up that um the concept and idea maybe that anything you have seen marvel before pre mcu you know so pre disney marvel yeah can come back and Mm -hmm. I've always thought this about the X-Men universe. Like, Obviously, Hugh Jackman's too old to be Wolverine. I regret saying that now, but he is, and he's awesome. But the next guy should be as good. But I was talking the other day about who could play Professor X now in the new X-Men universe. And yeah, Mm. hell, bring back Patrick Stewart. Go on, do it. Well, this is interesting, because I've I've read some rumours around um, the new Doctor Strange film, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And as always, you take these with a pinch of salt because, you know, half the time it's just fan fiction, okay? But one of the things that does keep coming up from different quote-unquote scoopers (laughs) is that there is going to be a heavy X-Men presence in Multiverse of Madness. I think they're at that point where they need to start introducing the idea because mutants are going to start coming into it. Yeah. And... Likewise with Fantastic Four. I mean, I don't, I don't want to harp on too much about this now, but mm. I do feel mutants are coming. Mm-hmm. They've been hinted at. We know oh, they yeah. exist. Yeah. So Multiverse of Madness sounds like the most logical place to do it. Yeah. But one of the things I've read is that Professor X is in it. Right. And will be played by one of the people who's played him already. So I see the McAvoy or Stewart, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I know who I'd prefer. I know who I prefer, I think, in terms of immediate audience recognition and someone who has embodied the role, and that that would be Patrick Stewart, right? Correct. But if they're looking for someone who can carry the character well, it's, on it's through the longevity films, now we're looking at, aren't we? Yeah. That yeah. makes sense to be McAvoy. And I like him in his version sure. of that character in the First Class trilogy. I, I like him in that. So, so yeah... And it's multiverse of madness. Who says they can't both be in it? I exactly. And if they do if the that, the rumors are true. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So as well as Spider-Man has been doing, Sony have delayed their own because obviously they've got the the Spider-Man films with Marvel, and then they have their Spider-Man universe of characters or whatever that it's called, which includes you know Venom uh, and other characters. One of which is Morbius, which. That film has now been delayed again. It was announced a few days ago. I think it was originally due for release in February and it's been bumped, I think, to April or May. I think it's 1st of April in the UK. Right. If I remember correctly. But, yeah, I saw this too. And originally I thought it's because Morbius didn't actually have a solid date to be released. Oh, right, okay, yeah, Um, yeah. But, you know, is it COVID? Is it to give No Way Home a little bit longer? I'm not sure, but I think people are hyped to see it after the high, if you like, of, of um, well, both Venom 2, actually, and No Way Home, because Venom 2 is okay. Yeah, um, yeah, I watched it the other day. It's it's not bad. It's not there's, bad. there's elements of the Morbius trailers out there which hint at MCU crossover. Yeah, certainly Vulture makes an appearance in the trailers, uh, Michael Keaton's character. But again, multiverse in mind, is it the same Vulture? Oh, this is the thing now. Nothing's going to be as it seems, vulture. is it? So I think 
while I'm almost contradicting myself here, but while the multiverse stuff is brilliant and opens up a whole ton of possibilities, if they're not careful, there is a kind of risk of confusing things. Well, there's that. And there's doing co- there's, it just because they can. Continuity stuff as well, like yeah. And Marvel won't want Sony to step on their big plans. No. And I think it'll be very, very clear when they shout, "We've got the biggest stick." Oh, absolutely. And one one of the things I found interesting was, I mean, I watched them out of order, right? But I knew I knew what was coming. But there are, there's 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 an element of Venom two that links with No Way Home, and but is almost entirely then undone in No yes, Way Home. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking right? about. So it's a case of what was that all about then? Was that just to a bit of fun for the fans, or is it? laying just enough of a connection for something to get picked up later on in the Spider-Man and the next Spider-Man trilogy or film but not to have too much of a link there with the current version of Venom let's say yeah fair. so so it's, it's it's a fine line between having fun with the multiverse and exploring all the possibilities and linking these things these larger stories together and doing stuff just because they can, and go multiverse. <laughs> and do, do you know what I mean? Oh, They've got why, to be. Why is that continuity broken? Multiverse, mate. I don't make exactly. The I don't make the exactly. Rules. So, you know, in Feige, we trust, right? I, I think if if anyone's got a handle on it, he has. And as you say, if, if Sony try and get a bit too clever, you know, he'll come in with his, you know, with his big stick uh, uh, rule book and go, no, yeah. you you stick to that bit. This is what we're doing. Get back and here are, here are the areas where we can cross over. Yeah, here yeah. are the areas where we can't. So, yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, I still kind of trust that he knows what he's doing and he's ultimately in charge. But it'll be interesting. We've got, we've got Multiverse of Madness. We've got Quantum Mania, I think, later on towards the end of the year, which are, are clearly going to be big kind of multiverse-focused stuff. Yeah, I think the one that won't um, do anything multiverse is Thor, Love and Thunder. I think that's going to be quite normal. I think, well, Taika Waititi. Waititi, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. I think that's going to be, that probably will be more of a standalone. If anything, I think there'll be elements of that that lead into Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Most likely. Because obviously at the end of Endgame, he was back with the Guardians, the Asgardians of the Galaxy, wasn't he? And we know who the captain is. Of course we do. Of course. Of course we do. Of course. Yes, of course. So I think, if anything, Thor will be more linked with Guardians than than anything else. Yeah. But that's stuff to look forward to, anyway. It is, yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff to look forward to this year. I think we maybe we'll pick a few things and go into more detail next time on mm. on what's coming up. I tell you something so, that I am enjoying at the moment. Oh, go on, uh, go on. Before I before we do get into the real meat and potatoes of the episode, mm. Um, mm. Book of Boba Fett at the moment has had two episodes. And maybe mm. three by the time this goes out. Yeah. And I've had some interesting conversations about it. One of them, and this is probably a negative, really, is that it feels a bit too Mandalorian at the moment to be new and different. Yeah. I, I've i watched the first one, and uh, maybe about half of the second one before I fell asleep. That's no reflection on the episode itself. It was just very late when I started watching it. So I, I am going to revisit. I preferred um, number two. Uh, sorry, episode. T- I preferred episode two. However, okay. 
I think Mandalorian is still too fresh and yeah. it hasn't really strayed from the formula that Mandalorian had. Yeah. But I am my enjoying f- it. My feeling is it only exists... No, that's maybe been a bit unfair. But my, my feeling is if he hadn't have been such a popular guest star in The Mandalorian, there wouldn't be a Boba Fett thing. Now, see, it, I, I don't think so. I think Filoni and Favreau had this as a plan. I really do. All right, okay. Because they don't do anything by chance in this that's, universe. That's true. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. So, I I no, <laughs> you're wrong. Okay. And if I, anyone I want... wants to correct me with an actual source that they didn't know what they were doing, <laughs> I'd love to know. That's fair. That's fair. But I feel, it feels like it was almost, um, let's give him a show first before we necessarily know what the story's going to be. Whereas, whereas Mandalorian, because it's because it's not Boba Fett, because it is a new character, there was much more to explore in terms of who he actually is, the kind of culture of the Mandalorians and their creed and and the the rules that they live by. Because it wasn't Boba Fett, it freed them up to to tell a bigger story. Do you, do you know what I mean? Whereas going back to a Boba Fett show. They're kind of almost kind of restricting themselves a little bit. Yeah, I get that. But as I say, I've only watched one and a half episodes, um, so I mean, I'm going to rewatch the second one, and then, as you say, the third one will be out by the time this episode is. So I like Timur Morrison, who plays Boba Fett. I think he's he's, fantastic. he's, he's great, um, and, and there are some nice characters. The, the mayor's envoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's he's very funny. I don't know who the actor is, but I think he's, he's a great character. And then Matt Berry is the the voice of the droid. Oh, clock that straight away. But yeah, it's just iconic brilliant. voice. Absolutely iconic. So uh, have, you, have you heard of Boba Fett's cousin that sells skin products? <laughs> Go on. Hoba Fett. Oh god. Anyway. <laughs> hey. He's back. Oh my god. That actually um, made you laugh. Don't 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 fake it. That was <laughs> so. I would say, yeah, I'm not. I don't dislike it, but I am kind of it, sat here. It needs to arms, go somewhere new now. Yeah, I am a kind of sat here, arms folded. You know, right? Impress me, then go on. Yeah, yeah, I get so, that. I get but that. yeah, we'll we'll see. It's Dan versus Mark. It's Dan versus Mark. Anyway, now then, on to the thing that everyone's eagerly awaiting is is, is quiz time. We're back with another quiz. Getting busy with a quizzy. Yeah. Now. Back in quizness. Uh, back in quizness. Slight change again to the quiz this time. We have done um, movie quotes. We've done movie poster quotes. Now we've got a movie trivia quiz. This really opens it up to really getting absolutely nothing. It does. <laughs> Think of all the trivia for all the films of all time. Yes, and yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. This is going to be an interesting one to see how pedantic I think we're both going to be in answering these things. Um, so, yeah, five questions as usual. This one, these are based around movie trivia. Again, as usual, we've not seen each of the questions. Nope. There's, there's no forward advance notice. So, do you want to do you want to kick off with your first one? Yeah, go on. I think every time we do one of these, I say, "Oh, let's see how you do it." And I can tailor mine, but this time I'll I'll go first. Okay, go on then. so your question one. 
Who actually drew the sketch of Rose in Titanic? James Cameron. Yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. What was the location used for the building in Die Hard? Well, it's the Nakatomi Plaza, but it's Los Angeles. Yeah, what's the real name of the building? Oh, that's not fair. In that, oh no, it's a piece of well-known movie trivia, how rude of me. Yeah, and I only watched it last month. (laughs) (laughs) You bastard. (laughs) I've watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well, and they go there. Mm, Yeah. It's actually called Nakatomi Plaza, that's where you're wrong. It's not, it's called Fox Plaza. And it was owned oh, by the, it was owned by Twentieth Century Fox. I read this whilst watching the bloody thing. <sighs> well, it you was... didn't read it well enough, did you? Oh, not enough to stick. Oh, of course, because oh, they um God. they they were still it was unused at the time. The floors of the Fox yep. building. Oh yeah, bugger. God sucks to be you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Bugger. Okay. Next one. That's one nil to me, by the way. If anyone <laughs> if can counting. Score. Yeah. Okay. What were the original suggested names of the Nostromo spaceship in Alien? Or Nostromo, depending how you pronounce it. Nostromo. You pronounce it how it's spelt. Right. Right. This is something I've read because I've got many books about it. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, no. You gave me shit. So he didn't read it hard enough. So well, let me finish my sentence. Oh. This is something I've read because I have many books about the making of Alien, but I clearly didn't read them hard enough <laughs> because, because I can't remember. So go on. You don't even want to hazard a guess? No, no, I wouldn't want to. Go on. Okay. Um, snark. Mm-hmm. And then it was later changed to Leviathan, which I had read. That's the one I remember. Before yeah. they finally settled for Nostromo. Okay, okay. Bonus question that I'll throw in. The Nostromo is the name of the big giant ship, right? What's the name of the escape pod that she gets away in at the end? Is it? I don't care. Move on. Oh, my God. (laughs) Imagine. No, um, I actually don't know that. The Narcissus. 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 If you have got this, then you are offended. Please tell us. And it's all yes, Mark's please, fault. Please send... Uh... Oh my god, Chris Eubank! <laughs> please send a complaint. Right. <laughs> really good, actually. Which actor has appeared in every <laughs> Star Wars film? Was that actually your question? Yeah, which actor has appeared in every Star Wars film? It is the man who plays C-3PO, Anthony Daniels? It is, but... But... But I'll give it. So that's the that's that's the correct answer. You've won. Uh-huh. You, got, you got your point. For a bonus point, which was the film where he didn't actually play C three PO? He played a different character. Oh, that's a good question. It would uh by by play or hang on. Let me ask this because this is probably a loaded question. In the Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. PO is just a ro a actual robot. He's parts, isn't he? Oh, oh, he's a puppet. Yeah, yeah. So. So he only did the voice, right? Right. That's cool. That still counts as him playing C-3PO. But that's not the answer. So which film was he credited as playing a different character? Is he in in the actual main Skywalker saga or spin-off? Spin-off. That's obviously Rogue One. No, he's in Rogue One. Ah, I feel like a right dick then. Um, He's in Rogue One at the end, because you know the end takes place. I thought he wouldn't have been in that. 
Um, he was in. He he played a character called Tack in Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, I didn't know that. But you got the right. Answer, you got the main answer right. So that's, that's cool. fine. One all. One a piece. One a piece. We, we move on. Yes, we do. So um, this is a numbers one. How many films has Steven Spielberg directed? And I will allow. I maybe. I think I'm gonna go two either way. Do you count? Do you count Jewel? Because in the states that was a TV film. Uh, that probably wasn't on the list that I was looking at earlier. Oh, so you've not counted Jewel? I don't think so. Okay, so we've got Sugarland Express, Jewel. Let's see how close Jewel. you get first. <laughs> let me let me try and count because I don't know them all, but let me try and Sugarland Express. I think was his first one. Then Jewel. Then Jaws. Then I'm gonna go Close Encounters. Then 1941. How many is that? Five. It's not for me to count, to be fair, sir. E.T. is six. Oh, no. Raiders of the Lost Ark, seven. Then E.T. Eight would be Temple of Doom. I'm going to go 15. Any advances on 15? Is it more or less? It is is more. Really? And I will list out at the end. I'll give you one more chance to change that answer. 20. Okay. Final answer? Yeah. I'm afraid you're wrong. Oh. Do you want to count them with me? Well, what's the number? It's much more fun if we count. Well, go on then. I've got 35. Th- what? <laughs> this is feature film, credited as director, right? Firelight. 35? Count them. Firelight. Duel. Wait, 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 wait. Just do a tally on a pen. Come on, you can do this. No, no, I'm, I'm getting IMDB here. I'm, I'm not... I want to... What? 35? Either that or I can't <sighs> count at all. Hang on, my bollocks. <laughs> Director. Director, feature film. That's the bit I'm looking at. Where are you looking? It might be Wikipedia, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's a director. He's directed... Yeah, go on. Films. So, Firelight. Jewel. Right. Right. Sugarland Express. Right. Jaws. Close yeah. Encounters of the Third Kind, 1941. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. E.T. Yeah. Yes. Twilight Zone, the movie. A segment. Doesn't matter. He directed it. <clears throat> feature film. Oh, I know. Now. Uh, you were wrong anyway, so it doesn't matter. Indiana <sighs> Jones and the Temple of Doom. The Colour yeah. Purple. The Empire of the oh, Sun. Yeah. Indiana oh, Jones and the Last yeah. Crusade. Always. Yeah. Hook. Jurassic Park, which you didn't mention. Well, I hadn't got that far. I was still in the 80s, to be fair. You just forgot he had a career after the 80s. Schindler's List. The Lost World Jurassic Park. Amistad. Saving Private Ryan. AI, Artificial Intelligence. Minority Report. Catch me if you can. The Terminal. Uh War of the Worlds. Munich. Uh The fourth Indiana Jones film. The Adventures of Tintin. War Horse. Lincoln. Uh, Bridge of Spies. You love love Cold War. Um, BFG. The Post. Ready Player One. Yeah. And West Side Story. I didn't count, I don't think, next year's The Fablemans. Oh, right, okay. You were still wrong. Whether I'm right or not, it doesn't matter. No, anymore. no, I think that's that's a... Yeah, the, well, the list is the list. 33, bloody hell. There you go. So okay. If, if you were 33, I would have said you were in it and that you would have been Bob on because I can't count. <laughs> Wow, yeah, okay. Good, well, good effort, but you gave up the up, Yeah, yeah. Okay, right then. What does the HR stand for in HR Giga? That's such a really, really hard question. I thought you read books about Alien. I can't read. 
Harry Redknapp. <laughs> Harry Redknapp Giga. Hans Rudy. Okay, good good question. Really good okay. question, actually. Thank you. How many characters does Michael J. Fox play in the Back to the Future trilogy? Marty McFly. Then Marty McFly Jr., his daughter, Seamus McFly. Do you want to give me a so, number? Four. I'll give you that. Um, I wrote this question earlier with the help of my other half. Mm-hmm. And I did say, do we count Marty Sr.? as a separate character no, because he's not the Marty not. well I've, I've written the answer is four or five if Mark's being pedantic <laughs> how rude because <laughs> he is he is a separate character he's the same he's Marty but he's not in the, he's not our Marty that we we know and love he's old man failed life Marty but it's separate, it is technically a separate character it's not though because it it's Marty isn't it so it's you know my. you know this is a spoiler alert if anybody hasn't seen No Way Home. Just put that there. Is <clears throat> Doctor Strange's Doctor Strange, the evil Doctor Strange, a different character? It's the same person, just different Yeah, birth. because it's a different universe. We're not talking here about a Marty McFly from a different universe. We're talking about yeah. the same Marty McFly from the future. But technically it's a different, it's an alternate. No, it's not. It, it's not. It's the 2015 that they travel into. Oh, do you know what? We'll cut all this bit out because I can't remember anything about my favourite trilogy. Let's move on. Well done, Mark. You've got two points. <laughs> all right. Which actor has the biggest box office total takings? Oh, that's good. Which actor? Oh, I think I read this recently and it's somebody you won't, wouldn't think. I think it's either going to be... I've got Tom Hanks, I've got The Rock and... Who else, who else, who else, who else? Oh, God, I saw this. I have seen this. Do you think it's stuck? No. No, it didn't. Spoiler alert. Of all time. The films that they have appeared in, the worldwide total box office takings of all the films that they have appeared in. Number one. Oh, shit. I don't want to commit to an answer. That's the problem. Think of, like, the, the biggest movies... Who's been in uh, most I'll, of the biggest movies? I'll go Leonardo DiCaprio. No. Now, see, you say the biggest movies, and I think Titanic, and then... Yeah, he's been in one giant movie. Yeah. Who's been in loads of huge movies? Uh, Tom Hanks was my second runner-up. No. No, no, The Rock. The Rock isn't even top ten. Good, I'm glad. He doesn't deserve to be. <laughs> $22 million per per signing. Get lost. <laughs> I'm not having a third give... guess, so... Okay, do you give up? Yeah, of course I do. Stanley. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, that's an annoying question, because he absolutely is an actor in it. Oh, it's Stanley. He's, uh... been, he's been in 49 films that have earned a grand total of 30, 30... And a half billion dollars worldwide. <sighs> His highest grossing film is Avengers Endgame. Which is over a billion dollars. Which is 2.7 billion dollars. Good lord. Worldwide. Moving on as we'll run out of time for our main segment of the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my last question. Yep. So this, if you get this right, it brings you to a total of three. Which is a good okay. effort. A good effort. Mm, thank you. What Hollywood film was nearly called... Static. Oh. This is something I read not long ago. 
Oh, I've had that excuse every single question. Is this friend. a recent film? Um, there's been a recent iteration of it. I'll give you that as a clue. Oh, maybe it's not then. It's not the not the not the Matrix. No, it's not. No, I, I don't know. Then go on. In seven days, you'll die. <clears throat> yeah, the ring. Oh right, okay. It was nearly called Static, which makes a lot Ew. of sense. What a shit name? Yeah, isn't it? Ew. Spaceman from Pluto. Shit name. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's on a similar vein, right? <laughs> what was the US title for the first Harry Potter film? Oh, it's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Correct. Yes, because yep. Christ knows Americans can't work out what a philosopher means. Apparently not, no. Uh, I, Apparently not. I knew that, and it threw me off as a kid. I was like, why is it called Sorcerer in America? Because it means magic. <laughs> yeah, just bizarre, bizarre. Yeah. Right. Is that three apiece? Uh, three apiece. Not was bad. It? No, I, got, I only got two, didn't I? Because uh, I didn't get static. You got Jim Cameron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Two out of five. Good effort, Mark. Yay. Well done. Right, so... <laughs> if you like that, let us know, because I quite yeah. like doing movie quiz. Trivial. Only when you win. It's time for Topic or Topics of the Week. This episode, we are going to do a di- bit of a deep dive. I think it's the first time we've done this specifically. A spoiler-filled discussion about a recent mm, film. Spoilers. So, um, it's one that we've both seen now. Um, uh-huh. it's been a, it's been out in the cinemas to, to be fair for two or three months. It's, it's done quite well, hopefully well enough to, for another one. We'll see. And it's kind of hitting home video release around the world over the next couple of weeks. Indeed. So let this be your spoiler warning. We will discuss anything and everything from this point on yep. about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Indeed. So this is the third official Ghostbusters film, I'd like to say, uh, directed by Mr. Jason Reitman, mm-hmm. uh, son of the original director. I can't remember his name. Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. And we'll cut that in and you'll never know I didn't know it. <laughs> so yeah, directed by uh, Ivan Reitman's son. And let's go way back to when... Ivan this... Reitman's son? Yeah, Jason Reitman's his son. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Are you having another moment? No, no, we're all right. Where, was that, where was that going, Mark? <laughs> because you said Jason Reitman, son of... And then you couldn't remember who it was. It and if you are going to cut that fine. together, if you are going to cut that together, it's going to sound really weird. <laughs> it'll be fine. I'll leave in the bit where you have a stroke and it'll all be fine. Awesome, brilliant, thank you. <laughs> so let's go back to when this was just an idea, let's say. I remember... Mm sitting on my computer, refreshed Twitter, and Twitter was going mental because Ghostbusters was trending. And I thought, oh, this will be interesting. Is there another one? Click mm. on it. And what was it? A little video clip of the a brown cloth coming off the back of Ecto-1. Yeah. Can you remember that? And can you remember the feeling of nostalgia that gave you? Well, I can dread? remember that. I, I can remember that, yes. Um, as my rock-solid cold heart doesn't feel nostalgia. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I, I mean, did. I can see that certainly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did. I do remember seeing that, and it was certainly a kind of. Uh, oh, okay. 
I see they are basically going to forget Ghostbusters 2016 and they're going to go back to making a, a proper sequel to, to the original two, uh, which kind of answered a question that had been around for a couple of years at that point, really, hadn't it? Around Well, for me, it kind of came out of the blue, which is why I think mm. I got all excited about it quite quickly. Because mm. I've always wanted to see a, a new Ghostbusters, because Ghostbusters came out really before my time. And okay, right. I, I sort of grew up watching it, but I wasn't around in the early 80s to see it new. Mm. So... Again, it's a bit like some of the the remake reboots, like the Halloween again. I keep bringing up Halloween. I'm not on commission though, and <laughs> it's my generation's Halloween, the new the new trilogy, and I can get all excited yeah. about that. Yeah. So yeah. for me, seeing a new Ghostbusters got got me really excited. Yes. So anyway, fast forward a few years, it got filmed. Um, certain rumors came out that it was the original cast, and we'll come on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it got delayed because of COVID, like most things. Yeah. And it finally came out, and. It was one of the first things, I think, first big releases that I went to go and see when cinemas properly reopened again. Yeah. And quite honestly, my bottom line was it wasn't really needed, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm bloody glad they actually did it. I think I would probably agree, actually. Um, I mean, I've kind of said, I've gone on record as saying I actually quite like the 2016 film. I'll allow it's, it. It's not a classic, right? But great cast, funny, funny cast. It More a kind of taking that basic concept and putting a new spin on it, I thought was quite good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, obviously, lots of people didn't, but there we go. In terms of this one, did as you say, did, did we need a sequel to the original two? Probably not. But as far as it goes, for a film that wasn't needed, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the, I enjoyed the performances. I thought uh, I, I'll I'll happily watch Paul Rudd in anything, anything. and it was kind of great to see him um, as not kind of a, a major character, more of a supporting character, which surprised me. Yeah, I thought his role was going to be a bit bigger. Than it was. Well, let, let's 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 talk about story and let's talk All about right. why Ghostbusters Afterlife came and why mm. why it was needed in the universe. Let's say of Ghostbusters. So, okay, we're introduced to this family that have inherited a house. Yeah, and right, again, if you are still listening after we say spoilers, it's now your own fault. Oh yes. In the opening scenes, we are introduced to a character who is clearly. Um, chasing or being chased by an entity mm-hmm. and it's only really until his last moments let's say that he's got his big bushy beard and round glasses and I and mm. you don't you don't actually see his face but it's it's implied that it's Mr. Egon who yes. was played yeah. by Harold Ramis who was passed away and I yeah. didn't realise that they were going to go that route actually so to me that was a big surprise but mm. in a nutshell he dies and yep. his family, who is estranged, or he's estranged from the family, yes. inherit the house, move to this town, and ghosts ensue. Yes, basically. So it, it's quite a nice opening, actually, um, in that, yeah, you, you only kind of catch glimpses of him from the side and from, you know, certain angles. You don't really see his whole face. Um, there's, there's it, it, as a kind of, 
cold open, let's say, like you kind of dropped right into the action. And then, as you say, at the end of that scene, he, he kind of is, is beaten by, by the entities. And then there's his family. So we've got uh, the mum, played by Carrie Coon, who I will watch her in anything. Absolutely. She, she was in The Leftovers, and, and I think she was the best thing about The Leftovers. Um, she's great in that as a kind of single mum who, you know, is estranged from her dad, but all of a sudden she she sees this potential inheritance that she's going to get as a way of getting out of where she is. You know, she imagines a new life, really. Yeah, she imagines there'll be money or a new property or, or something that can get her out of where she is. There's a kids, uh, now I forget the characters' names, but there's she's got a son. Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard from from Stranger Things. Stranger Things. And it. Oh yeah. Uh, and McKenna Grace plays her daughter, who is very Egon like. <laughs> uh, I remember say. seeing the trailer going, Well, we know who they're related to. Precisely. So you've got basically Egon Jr. there in the form of McKenna Grace's character. Yeah. Kind of short curly hair, big round glasses, that kind of thing. She, I think, actually is really good. She's got that kind of awkward nerdiness that Harold Ramis had. Yeah, yeah. As Egon. And I think she really kind of channels that characteristic really well. So, yeah, so they move, they go to the granddad. Just interestingly, the, the surname, the Spengler family name, isn't mentioned until right towards the end of the film. So it's, it's implied they're related, but. You know, but there's no, there's no, there's no run, it, run it down your face. That remember, this is Spengler. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So they go to his house, which is a dilapidated farmhouse, and they kind of find full of experiments and weird shit in the cellar, and of course, Exo yeah. One in the barn. Yeah, which Finn, uh, the what's his character name? We have to find that. Let's let's look this one up because this is going to do our heads in, isn't it? You know, Finn, who is the, not the character but the actor. You know, you know. <laughs> Hang on one second. Uh, so the character is uh, tre- oh, God, Trevor. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> Trevor <Finn>. Spengler. <laughs> okay. So sorry. Again, so, um, <laughs> so they move out to to the granddad's old house, um, dilapidated farmhouse in the kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they soon find weird experiments and, and stuff in the cellar. There's obviously the Ecto-1 yep. in the barn. And they kind of soon discover that he moved to that town for a reason. Yeah, following it, it, the it, breakup of the gang and Ghostbusters yeah. themselves, yeah. the Ghostbusters gang, Egon takes all the gear and goes to, you know, finds his re- refuge. Is that the right term to use? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's something strange in this neighbourhood. Yes. Oh, very good. I like that. Th- thank you very much. I had I genuinely didn't plan that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so oh, what's the granddaughter's name? <laughs> that Phoebe. Thank you. So Phoebe and Trevor, Finn Wolfhard's character, finds all these different things, and Phoebe is sort of playing with certain things, and she finds the ghost trap, but not the ghost trap, the um, the the electromagnetic sensory thing with the two yeah. prongs, and yeah. she finds the her way into her grandfather's. Um, lab, I guess. Yes. 
And she starts making discoveries about her grandfather and the family and all is not what it seems. He's not gone. Yeah. And it's quite a subtle, you know, she's like playing chess with herself and an entity. Yeah. Who and and then she's kind of helped this this kind of presence helps her repair one of the backpacks, doesn't it? I guess an important thing as well to say about the town is that stuff isn't right. There is seismic activity, which is where Paul Rudd's character comes into it. Yeah, um, he he's is like a kind of seismologist. Yeah, kind of, and yeah. is well into his geology and is tracking the seismic activity of the town. Yes, therefore yeah. he bonds with Phoebe. Because she's a mm. scientific young lady. Yep. And they start working out what's going on. And Trevor, this rebellious young lad, is doing stuff with his newfound friends, trying to look cool in front of the old kids. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they go up to this haunted mountain. Yes. You can talk a bit, Mark. Okay. <laughs> and, and, well, in terms of the overall storyline, obviously thing, things pick up from there. But. It does turn out that, as I said, Egon didn't just move there just for the sake of it. So if you'll recall, and again, this is where it does quite a good job of tying in back back to the first film. You'll recall in the first film that that the the building where the climax of the film takes place, where Dana Barrett's uh, apartment is, was... The architect for that building was a, a kind of occultist called Ivo Shandor, and he he designed that building specifically as a conduit to bring uh, through this Goza, if if you remember from the from the end of the first film. I remember it like yesterday. So it turns out that he basically designed this the architecture throughout this whole town that that, that they're all living in now. Um, and most of the buildings were actually his design, and that's why Egon moved there because he knew that, I guess, if the building in New York wouldn't bring Goza through, there was always a risk that that this town, by design, was was kind of the backup, I guess, essentially, to allow Evo Evo Shandor to to bring Goza through. So Egon was there, basically investigating what was going on and. Um, well, trying to stop it, really. Trying to stop it, exactly. Because, you know, nobody needs Goza. No, no, you can, you can do without that shit. So, I think, in, in terms of storyline, I think it's it's a solid storyline, right? It, now, see, I'm going to stop you there. Oh, go on. Because it isn't. It's exactly the same as the first film. Hmm. Goza trying to break through, based on, you mm-hmm. know, in a very specific area. Hmm. Ghostbusters turn up to stop them. Hmm. And there is the Keymaster and the Gatekeeper, played by two characters which you get introduced to quite quickly that you quite yeah. like straight away. Yeah, yeah. And I felt really stupid at the time thinking, oh, this is brilliant, Paul Rudd, la la la. Oh, he's the Keymaster. Oh, he's Rick Moranis. Mm. And I think I felt quite cheated, even though it was a fantastic film, because it's like, it's a, re- it's a do-over, isn't it? It's still different. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But it's the I same think- film. I think had had you not have interrupted me, I think <laughs> no no you're sorry right. dad no you're right you're right. What I was going to say is, in, generally speaking, in terms of like a setup and the way it links to the first film, to to bring those elements across, I think it works quite well and and the story is, is kind of it's an okay story. I think where it 
is let down is it is the over reliance on the things from the first film. So you're right. Okay. We, yet again, we have the key master and the gatekeeper. Yet again, we have the terror dogs. Yeah. Um, we have a, a slimer like cute ghost kind of thing. Voiced by Josh Gad. Indeed. And I think. And then at the end, well, we did warn you. At the end, the the original surviving three Ghostbusters arrive, right? So, as good as it was to see them back, it felt quite that, cheap and that shoehorned that bit. Very shoehorned. Yeah. There's, there's a there's a scene earlier in the film where Phoebe is watching the old Ghostbusters TV commercials on YouTube, and it's the famous one, you know. Where the three carrot, the three original Ghostbusters are talking of, do you hear strange noises in the night? Blah blah blah. And we're ready to believe you, okay? And there's a phone number displayed. She rings that phone number, and she gets Razor Cult Books, which is the shop you see he's running in the second film. And he's still there with a red phone on the desk that's obviously still hooked into the original Ghostbusters phone line, and it's a really nice scene with Dan Aykroyd, where he gives that backstory about how Egon took all the equipment and just left overnight, how the work was drying up, etc., etc. And there's a real feeling, it, it does all the right nostalgia bits, and it does all the, the kind of bits where it kind of links in, fills in the gap of what's happened in the in the 30 years since. Right? Yeah. But it's just a really nice scene where Here's this girl who's never met her granddad. All she's heard is about her mum bad-mouthing her granddad, right? And then she, she talks to her and, grandfather's and best friend, really. Yeah. And and it starts off with him bad-mouthing him as well, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Because he, he fucked off and left us all, right? He left us in the lurch. But there's a connection kind of made. And... She's learning things about her granddad, good or bad, that she never knew. Mm. And it's a really nice, like, five-minute scene. And that should have been it. Okay. For me, in terms of appearances from the original characters. Because the bit that annoyed me with the return of the original characters was... Mm. As, as the plot thickens and you work out how Egon is trying to stop Gozer, it's basically mm. using all of the proton packs to make this big trap. Yeah. Um. In 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 the temple, mm-hmm. and as far as I'm aware, Gozer gets out obviously, mm-hmm. and starts going towards Egon's house where they're trying to trap Gozer. Yep. yep. When do the original Ghostbusters get their mm-hmm. gear back? Yes. That's that was going to be my next question, and that really bugged me. Yeah, yeah, because he, Ray specifically states that Egon took all the proton packs and and um, I was going to say costumes, but and the overalls because you, you yeah. see them. Obviously, they might have had more than one overall because you know what happens when you're ghost busting and one's in the wash, right? Sure, sure. But you're right; they turn up fully armed and ready to go. Fully. So did ready they to go? Bust ghosts. To, did they go to the mine first to get? To get the proton pack. See, that's a deleted scene I'd like to have seen. You well, know, yeah, if, lowering... if indeed it was ever a ri- if it was ever written and shot, <laughs> lowering Bill Murray into a cave. <laughs> <laughs> so I think 
that uh, the appearance by them at the end, as I said, as 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 kind of nice and cuddly and warming as it is to see them back again, slipping back into character, just glaring plot hole. It did feel unnecessary it, because it, as much as they help at the end, she'd already Phoebe had already figured out what needed to be done. Yeah, they didn't tell her how to beat them she'd figured it out and Egon is there in spirit well, to help her do that this was this is what I was going to say next we say that you know, it's really annoying that there's this big plot hole they got their kit yeah it's frustrating because otherwise it's a pretty good film and yeah. a lot of it is is not that gaping no. um, but like Mark's just said there's a scene where the four of them so Phoebe and the original three are mm. You know, crossing the streams to to trap Goza, and Phoebe, being this what ten year old kid, is struggling. Yeah. And who comes in to help her? Her grandfather, Egon. Mm. And mm. there's this beautiful scene where the five of them, I suppose, are mm. in line, and all the Ghostbusters are looking at Egon, and Egon's just nodding like, "Yeah, I'm I'm back. I, I you yeah. you you know pulled through here, didn't you guys?" And I really like that. And there wasn't a dry eye in the theatre at that time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I suppose it's you wouldn't have that without the rest of them, <laughs> without the other bits of them yeah, appearing. Sure. So, so you, I suppose you've got to take it with the good with the bad to, to get some of those kind of shots that, that you know will have an effect, I suppose. Um, would it have worked without that, if it was just Egon and, and the kids? From, from a story point of view, sure. yes, it would. Because, like I said, she already knew what needed doing. You know, her brother had a proton pack in the car. Um, the other kid, the podcast, was, was there, kind of. <laughs> you know great, what I mean? Actually. Yeah. So it's not like they needed the other Ghostbusters, if you know what I mean. It was it, a fan from a story, service. From a, yeah, it was, it was very fan service. And I think I said to you at the time after I saw it, because I saw it, weeks before Mark did mm. um, so my memory is not as fresh on it but I think I remember saying to you at the time where it's it's obviously it's a passion project coming yeah. from the son of the original director which meant he couldn't yeah. really muck it up and he also had the blessing of the original creator oh yeah but also it is a um, love letter's the wrong word not homage not love letter what's, that, what's the word if you're doing something to honour honour's not the right Tri- word either tribute that's it and a tribute to the late Harold Ramis, who died obviously before production began, right? Mm, mm. And it's obviously not Harold Ramis in the in the film, um, no. But the likeness is spooky, and they all well, do it's CGI. Get, well, sure, but it must have been a stand-in. Yeah, the stand-in was Bob Gunton, who played the warden in uh, Green Mile. Oh, really? And the police chief in Demolition Man. That was the stand-in. That was a stand-in on set. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, and then they CGI'd the uh, the head, basically. That's very good. The the way they kind of paid tribute to to Egon to Harold Ramis, I think, was really nicely done. Yeah. I like that they didn't have his character speak, because that having would a have visual it. having a visual likeness is one thing. Having a voice impersonator. Is another or used archived, um, archived voicing which they did with uh, yeah. Toy Story Four and Mr. That's Potato true. Head, but that's true. That's slightly true. easier to do. Yeah, but I think 
anytime you get a fully CG character that has to talk, you're very thin iced that you're on there. Well, we've all seen Mandalorian series two. Yeah, so I think I think that not having him speak was was a a good option. Because the silent acknowledgement, you know, he, and yeah, yeah. When he eventually goes to become atoms again, you know, there's yeah. he nods when they, you know, he's agreeing to go, and you know, that's it. It's ghosts don't talk. It was, but it was very well done, as you say. The, the likeness was fantastic, and it was it right, was, threw me a few times. Yeah, 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 and it was, and again, it's one of those ones where because it wasn't used too much, it was just just right. Because I thought when um, you see him at the beginning, he's in shadow. I thought that's how mm. we're going to see him throughout the whole thing. And then when he came back as a ghost, I was like, oh my god, they've actually done it. <laughs> I see. Yes, I see what you mean. <laughs> I think. I mean, overall, I did really enjoy it. Right. It was. It was kind of. You know, going into a Ghostbusters film, there's certain things you want, and I think it pretty much ticked all the boxes, right? Agreed, agreed. And um, it had some nice new elements. So, you know, there's not a giant marshmallow man, but there's some really cute little Stay Puff marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Sadistic little fucks. <laughs> and it's brilliant. Ooh, mm. I also want to um, ap- appreciate some of the physical effects they did in camera. So, um, the what did you call them earlier? The dogs. The terror dogs. Terror dogs. There's some yeah. really cool um, physical set pieces with them and Paul. Rudd. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they, they kept they kept the puppets. Uh-huh. Uh huh. CG to a minimum. It was it was, it was very good. Puppets, yeah, yeah. That that was good. I like that. I like and that. Effect, and the, and again, the one last piece of criticism. Again, I'm just I'm slagging it off because it is a really good film. I think we need to slag it off because it's too good otherwise. Mm. Um. No way does Ector one have that amount of horsepower after 30, 40 years. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Either that or Trevor is an amazing mechanic, but well, yeah, yeah. Like Mark said, no, it, no, it, it, I, t- it ticked all the boxes for me, and I'm just moaning because that's what people do on the internet. Yeah, I think it was very close to being a brilliant film. I think there was there was maybe just one bit of fan service too much. That's a good way of looking at it for me, and it was where you know the appearance at the end. I get it. I get, you know, why they brought them back there and I get kind of what it was there to achieve and, you know, I passing the torch kind of thing and all that. But I think, like I say, that the the scene with Phoebe on the phone with, with Ray... That would have done I it think, for you. I think that, yeah, yeah, I think that was all that was needed. It filled in the gap in the story. It established the, the kind of... Egon's strained relationship with the original Ghostbusters and it told Phoebe everything she needed to know about her granddad. You know, and I just thought that was a, a really nice little scene. But having said that, right, if Bill Murray says he's going to come back to play Venkman again, you're hardly going to tell him, nah, you're all right, mate. We, we, we don't need you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it'll be like, yeah, yeah. it'll be like, yeah. When when can you make it? Do you know what I mean? Well, it, I felt him can... easier to watch actually in this one because it was only five ten minutes of screen time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the interaction between Aykroyd, um, Murray, and Hudson. Yep. Yep. Good. It's so bad that he always gets forgotten. I'm not doing it, it on purpose, but no, no, it's, it, it's there's, just, there's, I, there's gags yeah. in this one that you know he he makes that point out the fact that he should have had a bigger part in the originals, yeah, especially the original. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
oh, oh, the we chemistry. Forgot men- we forgot to mention Janine is back as well. Oh yeah, we got Janine. one. Janine appeared so again that was nice and it was nice there where her character had stayed friends with Egon because I always thought that she was going to be Carrie Coon's mum and her and Egon because it's never really explained who Egon has the relationship with to produce a family that is very true that is very true yeah yeah but But I like I like that they kind of she she was almost his carer because he was so focused on his work. Oh, she well, she says, doesn't she? I made sure the bills got paid. Exactly. You know. That 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 you know, if she wasn't there to look after his other stuff, the whole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. the fact he was so focused on it. He still needed Janine there just to kind of as say pay the bills and, and make sure everything else got done. I thought that was a nice touch, and it, as you say. Not as like a, a to have it be a like oh it's his ex-wife or whatever would have been a bit cliched. That's fair. Do you know what I mean? But to keep it as a platonic friend, mm. just looking after him, looking out for him, I thought was a nice nice way of having yeah. her back. So I tell you one character, and this this ties in Sagu's nicely into our note of post-credit scenes, because every film mm. has a post-credit scene now. They do. And going into it, I did go, oh, I wonder if Dana Barrett's going to turn up, or if Sigourney Weaver's going to reprise. Mm. Who do we see in the first post-credit scene? Sigourney Weaver with Bill Murray doing the psychic card trick. Yes. <laughs> and I loved that. I did. I thought that was great. Again, it's exactly, it's the first film all over. <laughs> But it was yeah. it was a nice addition to bring her back for you know, two minutes, whatever. Yeah, cheeky yeah. little play on the you know how how they met in the first film, and it was funny. It was. Now, interestingly, I was just looking at a couple of things today, and I saw a behind the scenes photograph of a scene being shot with Sigourney Weaver and um, Annie Potts, who plays Janine. That's interesting. Which isn't in the film. Well, there's going to be lots. Of, hopefully, there's lots of deleted scenes and lots of featurettes on the, on the discs. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. So it'd be interesting to see. Was was you know were both of them clearly at some stage were going to be in it more? Well, I was upset that Rick Moranis didn't come back. Personally, I I was, but I wasn't surprised that he didn't. He's he's only starting to get back in there, isn't he? With yeah, acting, so but... I get that. But he, he, he kind of retired because his wife died a few years ago. Oh, uh, quite, quite, uh, quite. Like he, he retired from acting because his wife died. So we're going. That's right. That's 20, right. Twenty odd years ago. Yeah, and he kind of just went to raise his kids and have a quiet life, which is awesome. Which is uh, absolutely so. Admirable. While I'm sure they asked him, I'm sure they kind of had. Um, what's the word, some tentative ideas if, if he did want to come back, what they could do with him. Oh, are you there? Oh, yeah, I just tend to mute sometimes if you're oh, talking because it keeps noise down. All right, no worries. I'm, I'm sure that they, you know, made inquiries and kind of had some plans in, if, he, if he was willing to come back. And I, I guess if there was one film that, would convince him to come back. It would be it would be this, 
especially with Ivan Reitman's involvement as a producer and kind of yeah. overseeing it. Um, so while it's a shame he didn't, and I would have loved to, I'd love to see him back in anything. To be honest, I don't care what it he's, is. He's great, but but obviously he's rightfully and understandably very very picky about what he does. Fair play to him. But that wasn't the only post-credit sequence. No, There's no, there was another one. And that one is really kind of... The the, the first one with Dana and, and Peter was kind of a, that playful, as you say, touching back on the first film, how they met and, and that kind of thing. The second full post-credit sequence... This is your sequel bait. This is it, isn't it? So so remind, remind the ladies and gentlemen listening at home what happens in this one so we see Annie Potts' character talking to Mr Ernie Hudson about mm-hmm. his time and, and how he left the team and he says you know he was good with money and made a bunch of financial investments and he's now become quite a successful business uh, yeah. business person yeah. and there's talking back and forth and then it cuts to the firehouse in yep. New York because they say how they lost that and stuff like that and he brings Ector one in sort of pats it on the hood and goes, uh-huh. well, you're home or something like that. And mm. it's implied that he's going to fix her up. Yeah, yeah. But also, we then move down into the basement, don't we? Oh, yeah. It's where, it's where the old <gasps> containment, the, uh, containment unit, unit. is. I'd forgotten about this bit. With a little red flashing light and a quiet alarm beeping. Cut oh, Mark, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh, New York's going to get it again. Well, this is it. Now, I, this one, again... <sighs> this is the danger of post-credit sequences, isn't it? <laughs> Where some of them set you up for something that never then happens. True. Right. Like I will never forget the very first post-credit sequence I ever saw was at the end of... Whether it was the first one ever made or not, I don't know, but it was certainly the first one I ever saw. Was when, as a kid, watching the live-action Masters of the Universe film. Okay. Right. Skeletor is vanquished, and at the end of the credits, his face pops up again from the pit into which he was thrown, and he says directly into the camera, "I'll be back." That's not his line. Okay. And he, it's not his line, but he never was. <gasps> My childhood hopes <laughs> were were built up, and for years I waited for news of a Masters of the Universe 2. Never happened. Oh, get over it. But, well, I'm, it's still, you know, <laughs> still a sore point. They point at the original, you know, Firehouse being turned back maybe into the Ghostbusters HQ. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's only two of them now, if that's Phoebe and Trevor, maybe podcast going into it. But they're, they're like, I don't know, 13, 14, 15. It's going to be a while before they're properly ghost, ghostbusting around New York. Well, look, I mean, potentially, yeah. But here we've got we've got Janine is still on the scene, clearly. She could come back to like do, do the admin and answer the phones. <laughs> Now, interestingly, Winston's character, yeah, Ernie... Hudson. 
Hudson's character. Only Hudson's character, uh, Winston, is kind of set up as a as a kind of financial backer, right? Because yep. he does mention in that end scene that he's also paying the bills for for Ray's shop. That's it. Yep. To keep Ray's business going, as you say, he he, own, he clearly now he's the owner of the of the firehouse. He's got Ecto one back, so. You could imagine, I guess, Ghostbusters the next generation, let's say, with Ernie as the money man, Janine there, maybe their mum back. Paul Rudd's character could could be part of the team. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I can... (sighs) You could see how it could... Yeah, yeah, you see the possibilities there. It's, It's done pretty well financially, all things considered. Uh, box office wise, but there have not been any announcements of any sequel or anything like no, that yet, has no. there? So, um, whether it makes enough, I think. I think it need again, you know, based on budget and marketing, etc. I think it needs to make between sort of two fifty, three hundred million dollars, just to break even. Yeah, um, and obviously you would you would imagine that the studio would want to hit four to five hundred million dollars to to have an, enough profit to then go okay, let's go on with the next one. Um, so it might just squeak a sequel. Yeah, well, remains to be seen, I suppose. And mm. if it mm. if they were that set on doing one, I think it would have been announced by now. I think so. I I don't think it's even made two hundred million yet, nah. which is a shame. Um, because but hey, we enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great, and I and I think most people who, you know, generally speaking, the the response has been good. Obviously, there's people who just take take against these kind of things just because that's what they do. Um, but I think if you ask the average viewer who's watched the film what they thought of it they they'd say they had a great time yeah and i think for me to draw my my side and opinions to a close yeah i can see why it was done um mm-hmm. a lot of it landed really well mm-hmm. i enjoyed it uh, i would like to see a second a sequel to that sequel yeah um yeah and my my last point again to make would be it has one of the best well obviously who are you going to call is the line, isn't it, from Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah. And there's one scene, and it caught me completely off guard, where uh, I think a character asks for a phone, and they just turn around, <laughs> who are you going to call? And I was like, oh, I see what you did there. And it, my, my other half just started laughing. I was like, what? Oh, oh, they said the thing. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I think, as I say, I think there, a couple of bits were a little bit too fanservice-y. Yeah. Um, but that's what you got to do, I guess, when you're making a film like this that's 30 years after the last one. Exactly. With your dad. You know, you've got... It, it, the, I mean, fa- um, the, the rise... Oh, Christ on a bike. The Force Awakens did exactly the same thing, right? Because it was following on and it had certain things that it had to get in there, you know, Chewbacca, check, Han Solo, check. Tick those boxes, get the fans back in. And then, in, a, in the next, story. then the next film, you kind of go off and embark on the new adventures and the new yeah, story. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I guess out of ten, what would you give that one? Uh, solid seven. Okay, I'd probably go with an eight. Okay, fair enough. Uh, made me laugh. I thought the the good bits were really good. Um, let us yeah. know what you think. Yeah, listeners definitely. of the Culture Trumpet podcast. Please do. Please let do. Let us know. So, um, as usual, like, share, subscribe. <gasps> wow. Um, recommend us if you liked it. Recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. Yeah, boy. Boy. Um, yeah, leave leave a review if if the service you use to listen to it lets you leave a review. And if your thumbs work. If your thumbs work and your fingers. If not, you know, just headbutt the keyboard. See what sticks. Hope, hope for the best, really. <laughs> That's how we write our scripts. That's it. Um, but yeah, uh, we're back. We're back. We will pro. I tell you what. Yeah, if, if anyone does want to leave a comment, let us know if you want us to do more of these kind of spoilery things. Yeah, we might structure um, it a bit better if people want. Yeah, because there's, there's definitely some films now that we've seen that we have lots to lots of opinions about. Oh yes. Um, and it, it's tricky to talk and avoid spoilers. So if we can not have to worry about that, that's brilliant. We yeah, can just we dive in a month or so to watch the damn thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fair yeah. Cop. I, I think we we probably tie in with like the video release. That's a good idea. I think which is a fair 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 time gap. Yeah. Uh, and it maybe lets us watch it again just to refresh our memories. Oh, like Eternals, I still haven't seen. Indeed, exactly. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> um, but okay, well, thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. Like, subscribe, share, review, recommend, etc., etc. And uh, we'll, we'll, we won't see you. Oh, thank God for that. You'll hear us uh, next time. In a bizzle. Shizzle. Shizzle.